so George Hansen has this graph where he talks about like how everything paranormal is liminal. So, in, you know, in between life and death, you have spirits and ghosts and near death experience. And then in between heaven and earth, you have UFOs, angels, and in between man and animal, you have like Bigfoot, vampires, and mm. like so. Mm. He has this graph of all these lines. And then he says, the paranormal is like this. And then he goes to the next slide and there's these crisscrosses like of all these <laughs> middle things pointing. And uh, it's a brilliant way to say like, once you mm-hmm. really anything paranormal, like it gets everything blurs once you get to a certain. Once you exist in that space, then you're in, the, in all of that in between space. Yeah. Yeah. We invite you to join us on our hunt for all things spooky. We're here for the tricks and the treats. I'm Elise. And I'm Haley. And And this this is is Easy Easy Bake Coven. We're going to jump right into it this week. I'm not even going to ask you how you're doing because we got nope. shit to talk about. We got shit to I don't do. care and how your week was. I don't care what you did or <laughs> I don't care who you are, where you're from, what you did, as long as you love me. I do. Uh, no, I'm being Backstreet Boys lyrics. I'm supposed to be keeping it brief. Okay. Tell me the things. Wow. Last week we had Lizzie McGuire. This week <laughs> we had Backstreet Boys. I'm so excited to see Early 2000s. Week. Just, <laughs> my just you wait. <laughs> So this week we are doing something different. We are going to interview someone else, and this time it's someone we don't know at all. <sighs> and we <laughs> and we're are fangirling. I'm so <laughs> sweaty right now. Are <laughs> <laughs> are you? Um, what's that gal's name from um, Mary Tyler? No, Mary Catherine Gallagher. When she puts her hands <laughs> yeah, on her arms. She's like, <laughs> I will not smell them. I can smell it you from here because I wear though. natural deodorant. So. <laughs> I've been Same. known to make out with a tree or two in my time. So who we're talking with tonight, I first discovered on Instagram, I don't know, a year or two ago, because she put out this incredible book called Seance. And I remember seeing the cover photo and it's these hands all around the seance table. And immediately I was like, yes, I need that. Need. And so I looked into her, followed her on Instagram and became such a fan. And I don't know why, but it took me like a year and a half to get my hands on one of these books. And when I did, I was like, holy shit, this is even better this than is I it. ever this imagined. Is, yeah. It's over 200 pages filled with incredible photos that she has been taking for over 18 years of everything related to spiritualism, which we touch on briefly in, mm-hmm. I know now briefly in episode three. So you could have 15 episodes. About oh my God. I had no idea how in-depth spiritualism is until yeah. reading this book. Like there are so many techniques and different mediums people use to try to communicate and with it's spirits. funny like before reading it I like one of my questions for her is like why doesn't spiritualism exist anymore and it's like oh it does it, it does. sure as shit does Which I wouldn't have known that yeah, right yeah, like totally we're gonna talk tonight about so many things that neither of us really knew before reading this book mm-hmm. um who who made the book I haven't even said her name yet her name is Shannon Taggart and she's an amazing woman who lives in St. Paul Minnesota she's from New York which is where a lot of the content she produces is from, from a little town called Lilydale that we're going to get into. In her past, she was, well, she still is a very uh, successful photographer, but in her past, she contributed to Time, Newsweek, New York Times Magazine, Discover, New York, Wall Street Journal, and Reader's Digest. She's been 
exhibited internationally, recognized by Nikon, American Photography International Photography Awards, and the Alexia Foundation for World Peace. So she's like a pretty badass lady. Yep, yep. And this book, Seance, is her first monograph, and it was published in 2019. And I'm so happy to own one. So thrilled. And I'm so excited that we get to talk to her mm-hmm. and ask her this very long list of burning questions that I <laughs> compiled while reading this. <laughs> that we need to get to, like, so we have time to ask them all. But So I need to stop singing Backstreet Boys. <laughs> yes, stop singing. <laughs> <laughs> so without further ado, we are so excited to introduce Shannon Taggart. Woo! Hi, Shannon. Hi, Shannon. Do you, are you hearing that too? Something possessed is happening and I love it. Something very spooky is happening. Happening. About Brave? It says like about Brave over here? I don't know what to do. This is weird. <laughs> you don't hear that, Shannon? Maybe, Shannon, you should exit and then come back in. This is so weird. That was spooky. <laughs> I've literally never heard anything like that. No, it was like On a borderline like tribal chant. Yeah. <laughs> is she back? Yeah, I'm letting her in. Let's see what happens. Shannon? Oh, it's connected. Hello? Oh, nope. Still hear it. It's doing it again. What is this? You don't have something playing in another window or something like that? This is very spooky. I would love if this were a bit and you like are purposely playing a recording and mess with us and that's like your spooky entrance. We can't even, yeah, we can't even hear you Yeah, we can't hear you at all. All we hear is about Brave. Maybe there's something I think we'll be talking about Brave tonight. What if it is something spooky? I, we're gonna need to ask her. It does about brave yeah, trigger anything? What does that for mean you? to you? What does that mean? <laughs> I would be so glad our candles were lit. <laughs> my candle is lit. Oh my god! What if our yeah. candles like went out? Or the power? Mm-mm. Oh yeah, actually, mm-hmm. I should have lit more candles. Mm. <laughs> I have my phone, I guess. If all of a sudden you're just you disappear, I'll know. <laughs> I've been taken. <laughs> by the darkness my dream or the power went up what if we went back and listened to it and it was just like (gasps) corrupted what if it was like what if it was like is she here yeah what if we if we played it back and it didn't play shannon connecting to audio fingers connecting to audio says she's connected connected (gasps) yay yay (laughs) does about brave mean anything to you (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I'm going to have to do some spiritual Googling, but I think so. I literally do this all the time. So I've never encountered that with this setup or this camera or anything. So it's just very bizarre. Just some energies being channeled. Yeah. As it were. I mean, as you say in the book, anyone can learn to be a medium and this might be our calling. (laughs) So good to have you. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you. My pleasure. I first saw your book, I think on Instagram, and I was just immediately drawn to it. And I don't know why, but for whatever reason, it took me like a year to buy it. (laughs) Um, But I'm so glad I did because I'm a huge fan and I'm not exaggerating when I say it's probably my new prize possession. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you cover this in the book, but for our listeners, I'd love it if you would kind of Tell us how you decided to dive into spiritualism. Yeah, sure. So I grew up in Buffalo, New York, which is in upstate New York near Niagara Falls, which is near a town called Lilydale, 
which is home to the world's largest spiritualist community. And I grew up Catholic, but my cousins, my older cousins would go to Lilydale for um, like in the summer, it's kind of like a psychic summer camp. Like you don't have to be a spiritualist to go there. They teach classes and they have free message services where mediums go and give messages and they have healings. And so my older cousins would go for readings and for visits. And one time my older cousin Rita was in a, just like one of these message services where you don't write your name, you just sit in this big room or out in the woods and the mediums go up and one by one they pick people. She was in the room, it was in the auditorium in Lilydale and this woman picked her and said, your grandfather's here and he wants you to know mm. how he really died. And she like threw her head back and was, started choking and said that he had choked and she just started laughing and was like this woman is a crazy person and like I know my one grandfather died of cancer my other grandfather died of a heart attack so this is like really silly Mm -hmm. and she went home and asked her like make fun of the event with her parents (laughs) she said told the story and they both just looked at her and my uncle said no that's actually true like oh grand, grandpa Taggart, he died in the hospital. He was, he had cancer, but he was fed food that he choked on. And that's actually how oh he died, gosh. which, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I read, uh, Haley, I read your bio and you work in palliative care and yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess this is like, and so this is like in the 60s, like early sixties probably. Uh-huh. So I guess it's like, it was kind of common sometimes for nurses to help patients along I guess mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know oh, yeah oh still to this like day. along on to the next yes yes because he was very ill for a very long time yeah yeah wow. even even to this day it's like framed in a way of uh like we will do everything we can to ease suffering basically mm. and sometimes mm-hmm. that might mean giving a lot of medication like more than you would oh. need to to um keep someone comfortable necessarily oh. with with um it's funny because I worked for a Catholic health organization and we had like an official stance that like if a medication is given with the intention of easing suffering and a side effect is that it, if it hastens death, that's okay. Like that's still oh, wow. on the books. Wow, like, that's, that's so fine. interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. But the whole choking yeah. thing, I mean, I don't really understand like if people were. I Almost just, sounds like someone was just incompetent and not really paying attention to like what right. he could yeah. handle sort of yeah. dietary wise. Yeah, because he was definitely not supposed to get it. Um, and I guess some people were like, oh, maybe they did it like to help him go out or something. But like, that doesn't sound like, I don't know. I don't no. know what happened. But basically, this actually was how he died. And every, and they, wow. and, but my father had never even told my mother. Like, I mean, it wasn't something they talked about or like, you know, it was like, just they like were just he, kind of trying to protect the family from that narrative, which was not a pleasant narrative, and, and rather yeah. much like yeah. he passed peacefully in his sleep or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like cancer. he died of brain cancer, you know. So, right. um, you know, that happened, and I was like in high school, and I was like, "That's so weird. Like, how would that woman know that?" And I know, I know, like the stereotype is that like, oh, they're all charlatans, and they research and all that, and like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff is like actually quite rare or I've encountered way more often than not it's very sincere practitioners like like Mm -hmm. there there has been of course there's been fraud and there were camps that would uh like 
Camp Chesterfield in Indiana, there was this famous expose about how they held files of the regulars, uh, you know, oh, wow. in oh, wow. filing cabinets. And that that's in this great book called The Psychic Mafia. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, that, that's, <laughs> I want to read that. It's a really, really killer read. That's not what happened with my cousin for sure, because like she didn't, mm-hmm. nobody knew she would even be there that day. And right. like, nobody knew who she was and she didn't know who this woman was and so so yeah so that happened and then I graduated from high school and then I went to college for photography and then I started working as like a newspaper photographer and I was working as a PR photographer and I was like really kind of bored with my assignment work and wanted you know, I always wanted to do like a long-term documentary project and I thought oh I'll go to Lilydale and I'll make this uh quirky little picture story about this town that's so Mm -hmm. strange and you know hang around a little bit and I here I am 18 years went by yeah yeah that's amazing and that brings me to my next question which is about Lily Dale I mean Haley and I were both chatting about how we've never heard of this place I used to live in New York I never heard of it like it sounds like my dream place to (laughs) visit Yeah. <laughs> where where in New York? Did you live in New York City or? I lived in the city. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I heard on that one episode that you like Greenwood Cemetery. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I used to, actually, we have a mutual friend, I think, or I don't know. We both, you follow each other on Instagram, Allison Meyer. Oh, who, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I used to volunteer at events at Greenwood that she also like helped out at sometimes. So uh, I just kind of like knew her through Greenwood. And then I saw that you followed her and she <laughs> followed you. And I was like, ah, yeah, <laughs> you just I love Allison. she's great. She actually I did my book launch at Greenwood. <gasps> what a dreamy place to do. that. Oh, so yeah. I must have read that. I must have read that. I used to. That's so funny. I donate to Greenwood now just to get the honey. I mean, not oh. just to get the honey, but because yeah. honey. Yeah, the sweet hereafter. They have hives at Greenwood and you can get these <laughs> little pods of honey. It's so cute. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. So, I mean, is it not? I mean, since you lived in New York and hadn't heard of it, it's not really a well-known. They don't talk about it much in the city. Is it not really a well-known? Lilydale? Well, I. Yeah. It's not that popular anymore. And I, it's such a unique place, but. To be honest, they're really struggling with a lot of things. So I don't think that they're, they do do a summer program every year, but like they don't have a publicist, like they're, it's very homegrown. Like, Mm. yeah, I just don't know if they're getting outside of the spiritual communities, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like if you're. And and do they want to, do you think? Like, does that, are they just happy? Like the people who should find us, find us and everyone else can stay away kind of. Yeah. I mean, back in the day when, when I say that, I mean, like there was like a certain era where like Wayne Dyer would go there and there'd be like a thousand people on the grounds, like coming and they'd get big names like, um, I think Deepak Chopra would go there and speak. Oh, like, wow. I, I think at one time it was operated more like an Omega Institute. I don't know if you ever heard of that. Like, this is more like a new age, you know, mm-hmm. bigger crowd thing. And then, you know, I don't know. There must be a, a ton of reasons, but they're always going through a lot of change. And spiritualism is just not generally that popular anymore as a religion, yeah. but, mm-hmm. but it's an interesting time because its cultural importance is now being acknowledged Hmm. so i i hope that lilydale does come into a new era but like when i started going there in 2001 people i met like the old timers actually had connections to a time when in america 
there were real old other old school spiritualists who are around when it was actually very very popular and wow when it was actually like a a movement with some teeth you know yeah and, yeah and all met all all of those people have passed i'm lucky that i got to meet them can you kind of like we've seen pictures of like the you know the assembly rooms and whatnot but what is it like when you show up at the gate you pay your entrance fee does it look like a neighborhood is it like a village what is it like it's like a tiny little Victorian cottage town. And oh. it really... <laughs> We're like our dream. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I'm going to get Allison Meyer there. Uh, I invited her to... I do an annual symposium there every summer. And so she's going to do a talk for me. How not cool. The, not this summer, but next summer. But Sign us up. We are yeah. attendees. Yeah. yeah so... We're coming. <laughs> Yes, I'm having one this summer and next time it's every summer, but um, you walk in and like what drew me in really was like, I honestly felt like I was walking into a time warp because you can't build a town like that anymore because of codes, you know, like it's, oh, right. it's, and you know, they're not, a lot of the homes aren't even heated. They're like still cottages. And it's also wow. because Lilydale owns the land you know, it's not like you can get a regular mortgage and like homeowners improvements and all. It's it's very like gracefully gotten here. And I mean, it's still a lot of it still <laughs> looks like late 1800s. Like, I mean, the auditorium that sits in the center of the town is like, you know, this huge wooden auditorium with, I mean, now it has electricity in it, but like, you know, just windows that open and it's still, mm. you know, it's like a very authentic like, how do you move there? How does one get accepted to live in Lily Day? I mean, not yeah. asking. Do for you have the reasons, application but... on hand? <laughs> yeah. Well, you have to be a member of the Lilydale Assembly, and mm. I think you have to have one or two references from inside the town, and you have to belong to a spiritualist church, and mm. you become a member of the assembly, and then you can buy a home there. And most people live there in the summer, but there are like year-round residents there. And is there, you know, like in Mormon churches or like uh, Baptist churches, you can tell by the name like that they're a Mormon church, like Latter-day Saints. Um, is there a specific naming convention for spiritualist churches? So you'd know right away that it was one. Right, right. I mean, in England, they're actually quite common. We'll just say really? spiritualist church. Yeah. Oh. In America, like yeah. there's a lot of like rented halls. There's not a lot of like legit spaces I don't mm. know for whatever reason spiritualism I think is most alive in its like classic form in England and then also in Brazil spiritualism traveled to France and then it became this uh, other movement called spiritism under the mm. guidance of this philosopher Kardec and then that traveled through the colonies and then so in Brazil uh, spiritism is um, practiced and popular and it kind of mixes it's its own thing it mixes with uh, indigenous culture and oh, um, cool. but, but it's a lot more there's a lot more practitioners and like I mean you've probably heard of John of God that healer that was active mm. in Brazil like he was a, a spiritist that's interesting because the the spiritualists in the book kind of dive into Native American culture in some parts too. So they kind of share that, don't they? Yeah, right? definitely. I mean, but it's it's uh, it's a little it's a little different because they maybe in Brazil the those indigenous practices were kept in more alive than here. Mm, like spiritualism right. kind of 
spiritualism kind of like appears and starts like cha literally channeling um, the spirits of Native American Indians, like right as they're being eliminated from the country. And they do revere the culture and are inspired by the healing and all of their beliefs, but it's it's very removed. It's not like very direct. So mm -hmm. a lot of it. They're not like blended or like combining or. Yeah. Yeah. Although um, there is in Lilydale um, a man named uh, Neil Zapkowski, who's a medical doctor, but he also hosts a lot of Native American Indian ceremonies on his land. Yeah. Yeah. That was fascinating to me reading, you know, his thoughts on spiritualism that you included yeah yeah to see those two different things juxtaposed you know yeah so he hosts like a sun dance he has a tribe come and uh from south dakota and take over his land and I i've been at a weepy ceremony at his place it's really um yeah his, what he's doing is pretty pretty interesting one of my your lines that really stuck with me in the lilydale section is you said the second was a sinking feeling that the mediums in Lilydale knew something about life that I didn't. Do you feel like you've figured that out, what it is that they know? I knew that they weren't lying or weren't pretending or weren't faking who they were. Like you right. could say, oh, they give bad messages or, you know, like, but the people I was meeting were authentic and they, from what I could observe, really helped people who had no place else uh, to go to grapple with the things that they go to Lilydale to grapple with. And so like, I like to think of it as actually the way we are in like modern contemporary Western culture is actually really rare. Like the way spiritualists think about life and death and the afterlife and um, talking to the dead, like that's actually quite common throughout history Right. and and every other culture throughout time like <laughs> that you can yeah, well and right. our like western death denying culture totally. where we're so far removed mm -hmm. from our own mortality that we put fillers and stuff in our faces right. to pretend that we'll never get older right. i think that's right. all like tied to death denying it, it's totally unnatural you're right like it's not normal to act like no people die and we put it's them not in a bag happen. and we send them far away right. and we don't look at them and then we put right. makeup on their faces to make them look like they're still despite alive despite the fact that it's literally the only constant the only thing we can count on is that we will die like everyone before us has <laughs> i have learned this like who's ever supposed to go there goes there so i don't try to like make people go there or right. make a big effort because i think part of it is like you have to want to go there or need to go there or something right but mm -hmm. um yeah so you'll meet so many people there who'd be like i would never think i would be here but i had this experience mm -hmm. and like Bell kinds of holds the space for that kind of stuff to be processed or accessed or healed or you know mm -hmm. People go there, I mean, people go there because they literally have no place else to go with their experience or what they're dealing with or with their grief or yeah. all that stuff. I thought it was interesting that the movement of spiritualism coincided so much with the women's suffrage movement, like seeing those photos yeah. in the book of Susan B. Anthony. I mean, those were so yeah. powerful. I had no idea. I mean, it makes Me sense, but I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's really wild. Um, all, so all of that history was kind of whitewashed. It was really, I mean, a cultural force, especially for, for progress, like for progressive movements and mm -hmm. politics and art. I mean, now the big, the big, big thing is that they're now acknowledging that the first abstract 
artists were actually spiritualist mediums in trance and is not mm. Kandinsky is not technically the father of abstract art like and also Kandinsky mm-hmm. himself had a huge interest in spiritualism and theosophy and that was kind of you know written out of his his bio I mean I remember being in New York mm-hmm. I used to live in New York City and I remember going to like the new museum and seeing uh, spirit art on the walls that mm. was completely devoid. Like I knew the artist, so I knew what it was. But it but, wasn't like, advertised it, as such. It's kind of presented as like old lady folk art or something. You know, there's that Hilma off Clint, who's like become hugely popular and is acknowledged as this force of pioneer of abstract art. Mm-hmm. And she was a spiritualist medium and she had started in the late 1800s. But her show at the Guggenheim was like the most popular show the Guggenheim has ever had. Wow. And they just completely eliminated the aspect of spiritualism. No, no, no. But in the Guggenheim show in 2018, they completely acknowledged. Oh, cool. Oh, and wow. it, it, so it's like yeah. having its heyday now. People are. Yes. Realizing. And I, so it was so shocking. I mean, they really went there with all the text and did like a really, really honest. Uh, Why do you think that is? Why do you think it's starting to have a resurgence? I don't know. I mean, I think we're reassessing history in so many ways. And also the women's rights and feminism and and the acknowledgement that a lot of these histories were censored is like Mm -hmm. really on the forefront. Yeah. So the Guggenheim did this like really honest, direct show about who she was. And it was a huge deal. And like the catalog was like their best selling catalog. But I was at that the opening conference and there was kind of a back and forth between an art historian and on the panel and another panelist like why do we have to put all this spirit stuff in she was a oh she, wow she was a badass artist <laughs> and the, mm-hmm. what and the art historian was like because like this is part we, of her history that's yeah. why she was making this art <laughs> right, yeah. right because we can't we can't write out her uh you know, her intentions or her context or her life. And some of her family members came up and were like, oh no, we want this out. And she also had like, I think it was like 20,000 pages written about her or her own uh, religious experiences and thoughts and theories that relate directly to her art. So it's just, it's like a very interesting time for spiritualism in a variety of ways, I think right now. You know, we've, you've kind of touched on how spiritualism is a religion in its own way. And I just want to clarify, are there any other religions under the umbrella of spiritualism? Like, could you be a Christian or a Muslim and also be a spiritualist or is spiritualism their core religion? Well, spiritualism is technically a religion, but it's also spiritualism by definition were by spiritualists were like radicals and against organization and against Mm. rules and against dogma so it's really even hard to classify and it's they've always it's always been hard to count spiritualists and in the u.s there's an organization in in great britain there's an organization and though they lay down certain rules but a lot of stuff happens in homes and home circles and and um you know, there's Christian spiritualists, like a lot of spiritualists hmm. also, um, you know, draw from Buddhism or other faiths. There's a lot of healing that is drawn from other cultures. Like it's a, 
it's kind of a mishmash. It's it's the uh, also like fiercely independent individualism. So it's really, mm-hmm. I think even like choose your own adventure. Yeah, I think even really early on, there were fights about like even organizing in any sort of formal way. Um, there probably are people who would be really angry now that it's being called like an organized religion because they're oh, like, that's yeah. exactly what we didn't write. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like anti-religion in a lot of ways. Um, and, you know, like I have friends who are spiritualists and mediums. And if you go to a spiritualist church session, it is kind of churchy. I mean, they sing hymns, but they also do messages. Oh, really? They, get, they, they give healings. Um, and she's like, no, I'm a spiritualist because I don't want the churchy stuff. Like yeah. that's yeah. so she's like, I don't go to the churchy stuff. So I don't know. Although I, mean, I feel like the pictures you have of the inspiration stump at Lilydale, like that's a kind of church service I could get behind, like in yeah, the middle yeah. of the woods, yeah. like witchy, <laughs> spooky. Yeah. 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 Well, well, that's yeah, that's like a pure message service, which they yeah, they consider, um, yeah, like a religious service of so, but the way they just give messages. But it's funny you say the witchy thing because also too, a lot of the younger people who are interested in spiritualism are also pagan. Right. And mm. the 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 technical big S spiritualism really tries to distinguish itself from paganism and anything considered a cult or magic or mm-hmm. even though there's a I was lot- surprised to read that. Yeah, even though there's like tons of overlap in so many ways, and you could argue, you could argue all the connections all day long, but I mean, their, their big distinction is they don't, like, they don't will, you know, they don't do the magical act. Mm. They're, they consider themselves scientific, like, Mm -hmm. like, like they're doing scientific experiments, and they're all, they're all about like, just proving that there is a connection between life and death and they'll do it over and over again. And like, you know, in magical circles, things are done in secret. You're not allowed to know. You sure, got to get initiated. Right. Like in spiritualism, everything's out in the open. Like, Cause they're trying to sort of legitimize it and show like, no, this isn't some ooky spooky thing. This is scientific Science, and we're just yeah. exploring these things that other people haven't recognized yet. Yeah. They thing. actually consider themselves like, you know, part of the enlightenment, like Western rationalists, like a lot of, really famous scientists were spiritualists also like even the like the the everything they do is for proof for proof for proof we're trying to do proof even though you know a lot of times you're in these situations that it really does not look very scientific right when I when um I was reading about I don't know if I don't know I don't want to say this wrong but we have a tradition in this podcast of (laughs) mispronouncing things literally all the time so I probably um Hippolyte Verde Beardew? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Um <clears throat> and the idea of like images of the soul leaving the body. I thought mm-hmm. that was really cool because I love that quote of um like magic is just science that we don't understand yet because we talk about this a lot in the sort of field of end of life care. There is something tangible that happens when someone yeah. dies and they go from living to dead and there's like a de- I mean you can see it with your own eyes. And it makes sense scientifically that there is some medium in that, like that you could capture that with, you know, like some mode of capturing that. So when you describe it and you first say it, it sounds kind of like out there, but then you think, no, like there are chemical and like physiological processes at work. Of course, there's some realm in which we could capture that image, you know, and I kind of thought like, huh, this makes me think 
you know, kind of what you're saying of like, yeah, it is, it is scientific. It's not just like woo woo and, you know, spooky. When we had to put Lily down, I mean, there was that moment where Lily was my dog, Shannon, um, this moment where, you know, she was struggling to breathe and then, you know, they did the injection and you could see her last breath. Like it was so tangible that you just knew that like her, her little soul was gone. And it was such an interesting moment to be in that moment. It's and a really just profound knowing that transition. was the final that was the final breath, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it makes like you said, it makes sense that you'd be able to capture that in some way. Mm-hmm. Cuz it's a real physiological thing that's happening. Yeah. Right. And energy is moving and shifting and all that. Right. Yeah. Regardless of where you, what or where you believe Yeah, where it you goes. believe it goes. <laughs> I kind of want to get into the imagery a little bit as a whole. I mean, I think that obviously that is what makes this book so amazing tied with your beautiful writing about your experiences um and with a book of over 150 images I know that you probably took way more than that as someone who also takes lots of pictures I always take way more than what I actually let out there so I'm curious how many pictures you think you probably took over the course of this project oh god approximate I I don't know I have no idea I mean, I mean, it wasn't. Do you have multiple hard drives full? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, was, that, that would be it would be really hard to estimate because I I started with film. Oh, really? And then, yeah. Cool. So because I started in two thousand one with film, so so I have film, and then you know I have the digital too, and. Yeah. Did you find any um, difference between like were you capturing more? Not I don't want to say spooky things, but more evidence on film versus digital or was it pretty much all the same all the way through when I started photography there was no digital I there was just film so I mean I was in I think what year did I graduate from college I graduated from college in 98 so when I graduated college there was like one digital camera and it was thirty thousand dollars and we all had to share it oh my god like (laughs) crazy so I can't imagine handing that over to a bunch of college kids. <laughs> I know. So I learned to print in a color darkroom. And then after I graduated is when I started the project, but I was still using the color darkrooms. And a lot of the seances are in red light. So you're mm-hmm. shooting red light on film. And even if you can see the detail on the negative, you can't print it in a color darkroom because red, mm-hmm. red is like the least sensitive to you know Mm. so I mean no matter what I would do I could not get the detail out of my negatives until I got drum scans of them and then put it in photoshop and then manipulate the so now with digital though the dynamic range is so different from film Mm -hmm. that you you know you can go into your highlights and your shadows and like dig for for ages so as long as you have a decent exposure, like you have a lot more latitude. So that's, that's what's exciting. Like a lot of people say, oh, like film is more authentic. And it's like, no, I don't know. I mean, like also with digital, I don't have to reload in the middle of a dark sands. And uh, that makes it makes that makes it a lot easier. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, When you first started out with this project, was your intention to make it into a book or did you just kind of hope you'd find your way as you went? Uh, no, like I, well, I started it just thinking I would just make a regular documentary project. And then I started learning all about the history and the, the visual history of spiritualism, like all the spiritualist photography. And I became like really influenced by that. But like at that time, 
so this is like 2001, 2002. It was rare that anybody like was familiar with that stuff. Like mm-hmm. that's even before the perfect medium show at the Met, which I would say is like the big touchstone in 2005 where um, people, a lot of people learned there was such a thing called spirit photography. I mean, it was edited out of my photo books that I learned from. Like I didn't even know. Yeah. I, when you pointed that out in the book about how, you know, you'd never learned about that in college or school. And I thought, yeah, neither have I, like, I never even heard mm-hmm. about Mumler or any yeah, of those things. Yeah. Yeah. It was just not there, even though it was actually very exciting and controversial and a big deal. Yeah. Um, and such a rich part of the history too. Yeah. Yeah. But I, so the spiritualist taught me that stuff. So like the deeper I got into it and then I was like photographing and thinking like, I don't know if I'm really, this is really a topic that you can photograph. Like, I don't, I don't know if this is something you can really do a documentary project about. So I were, I just kept working. And then finally I, I just got frustrated and stopped for like three years because I didn't know what to do with that. I, I just, mm-hmm. and a lot of people were turned off by it, which I was so shocked by because I thought that, Hmm. oh, it's so interesting. This topic is so interesting, but like, I mean, I've, I was thrown out of photo editors offices for like showing (gasps) it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I know like now I understand that, that like with all things paranormal, there's definitely like an attraction repulsion kind of thing. And, you know, paranormal is still, or these topics still are very like taboo. And I mean, even though they're like, when you put them into fiction and fun and it's very popular and I understand that, but like, if you bring it too close to reality, it's like very, it makes a lot of like, why do you think that is? Why do you think people are constantly trying to disprove these things that spiritualists are saying? Here's proof. Yeah. Because I, because if you make it too real, I guess it like it, just cuts too close to people's like reality mm. and it threatens your whole worldview. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And plus like this stuff has been taboo, you know, forever. Like you keep it separate or, you know, like you keep it in ritual. And I mean, we don't talk about yeah, that. And I think yeah. there are reasons for that because you want to keep things separate so that you can keep control of people really (laughs) yeah the status quo yeah Yeah. so I left it for like three or four years but like I couldn't stop thinking about it and like being frustrated with why I couldn't do something with it and and I was just doing a lot of reading and research and and then I found books that inspired me and I specifically one book the trickster and the paranormal by George Hansen And so it made me realize that like, oh yeah, all the confusing stuff and all this ambiguous stuff, like, and all, like all my experiences span the gamut. Like sometimes I see something or have an experience that was so compelling. I was absolutely no no other explanation than something Mm -hmm. really happened. And then also like, oh my God, that medium is so ridiculous. And like, (laughs) like maybe they're genuinely um, believing they're doing something, but it's so absurd. And I just don't even (laughs) want to be associated and like, And then, you know, like really funny, ridiculous things happen. And, and so then I learned that that's all part of it. Even the fraud stuff, mediums being caught and accused for fraud. That's like, it's all part of the narrative. It's just there and you're never going to cleanse it out. And it's part of what makes it what it is. And, 
there's all this you could, you could say that about every religion really like yeah. there's so, you know so many negative aspects to well and like every know. business i mean anything oh, that's sure. worth like studying there's the right. good and there's bad and there's something right. in between and that's human and, nature that yeah. there's going to be fraudsters and truth tellers yeah there's like a quote in my book from this really controversial medium this german medium kai muge who like does yeah. all the ectoplasm and he's like mediums are held to such a higher standard than like scientists who kind of kind of fudge data to get like their funding all the time or like well and isn't that funny that like a preacher can stand up in front of a group of people and say that his message is something god gave to him put on his heart to tell but a spiritualist can't say oh i'm receiving a message from a spirit or what have you yeah, without being point. looked at like you're crazy that's you know like why point. is one okay but not the other yeah <laughs> well and when I was reading it I was thinking about when I was in college I had this professor who talked about paradigm shifts and how like oh. science doesn't like take small steps it's like we mm. think this then we find out something new and the whole paradigm shifts and then we think wow. a whole new thing so he said that if you go to Notre Dame in Paris there are these like buttresses off the side of the building and if you look at what they would teach you in engineering school right now they they shouldn't work like the way oh, that wow. they are on the building based on the, the science that we believe right now yeah that's not physically possible but because they existed in that paradigm when it was physically possible they built it now we learned new things and they're like no that's not possible no anymore wow. and it's like yeah so that that's like fascinating you know science can correct itself and move and change right. and be different all the time and you know self-correct but then you know one fraudster medium right. means the whole Makes movement it all is defunct yeah yeah, yeah. Hmm. Your book opens with this really beautifully written forward by Dan Aykroyd. And Haley and I are both major fans of his, both for (laughs) his role in Ghostbusters and for the fact that he is a fourth generation spiritualist. He's very, he's very metal. He is like of our people. Yes. (laughs) So I'm sure we're both dying to know how it came to be that he wrote the forward for Seance. Yes. Yeah, no, he's awesome. He came to Lilydale. He was like in Lilydale with his dad because, you know, his dad wrote this great book called The History of Ghosts, which is really a great book. It's like an interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Me neither. I knew he was into all of it, but I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. And his dad, um. He, his dad did research at Lilydale for the book. And hmm. so, I mean, his dad has now passed, since passed. But um, so him, he and his family were in Lilydale with Peter, Dan's father. And they, they were just exploring and like having readings or, or what have you. And I happened to be there and uh, we happened to have like this weird, like mutual friend of a friend connection. And so we ended up meeting up and then they're all really interested in the topic and like his, mm-hmm. his dad, like thoroughly knows the history, like knew, well, like, knew, so it was really fun to get to, you know, geek out about stuff and yeah. Yeah. And then he, he offered to write the forward and so then he did. And I was just so oh, excited awesome. about it. It's so cool. <laughs> and yeah, he's just like a really, I mean, he was so generous and so nice and like, uh, I'm super fan of him as a person and as an artist and like for sure it was very cool that that happened. This is a question I've always been curious about myself. I mean I believe in ghosts and the possibility of spirits and all of that um, but I've always wondered why do ghosts feel the need and or spirits feel the need to 
come back and hang out with us. I mean, there are so many accounts in the book of like people seeing Louis Armstrong regularly or people seeing Elvis regularly. And so I'm curious if there's any explanation you've seen as to why they're still hanging around. Is it because they just don't want to leave? They have this connection or what? I, you know what? I don't know. I mean, in spiritualism, you know, it depends on the person you talk to, but they really distinguish like ghosts from spirits because a spirit Mm -hmm. would have intelligence and you could exchange they would have like information to give you where a ghost is more like an imprint or you know like Mm, ghosts like an energy left behind yeah like ghosts are often bound to a certain space and they don't say anything they just you know it's like the same woman in the same dress in the same hallway just walking or you know sort of like a videotape recording or something so do they think that that's just like an, there's no intelligence there. It's just an, an energy that's left behind. Yeah, sometimes. And then sometimes, you know, there'll be lost souls or there's spiritualists who do rescue circles where hmm. um, there's a story in my book. Oh my God. My, some of the famous or the, my favorite people I ever met during this project <laughs> was they're now both deceased, but this, uh medium named Betty Schultz and her best friend Joyce LeJudas who was the Lilydale historian and they they would go to Gettysburg together and oh I remember yeah and they would they saw this soldier out in Gettysburg and they're like he doesn't know he's dead they're like hey buddy you're dead like get (laughs) get in the car and so they like drive back to Lilydale with this dead soldier and bring him to the water and walk him to the light and so there are spirituals who do like the rescue stuff. And then, you know, there's other mediums who are like, that's very low vibration. I don't want to be around that, you know. What does that mean? Very low vibration. Um, Like a lot. So many spirituals will talk about like you raise your vibration. So that's one thing why they're not, they're never afraid because their vibrations are so high. They're only getting oh. like positive and um you know, not that somebody who's dead and can't get crossed over is negative, but like mm. that kind of a thing is not the type of interaction some spiritualists want. And some, some really just sit in circle and do the rescue thing. And that's part of their practice. And they just try to help those lost souls. You know, like, I feel like if I were to tell that story to someone, like I read this book where they talked about these two old ladies bringing a spirit in their car back home, people would be like, yeah, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. And how... That's such an interesting place to be in, you know, where like you've put yourself into these situations where I imagine for most people, it'd be hard not to roll your eyes and be like, well, this is hokey pokey, you know, but I know how were you able to step out of that and just be present? Because I knew that they believed what they were telling me. And I also, this is like really important too. I knew that they weren't technically crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I mean, when I say, you know, I'm, I'm not, that's not like, I don't know the proper, you know, I'm not trying to dismiss. They're not clinically sure. mentally ill. Yes. They're grounded in reality. Right. They yeah. know what's they're, going they on. They're, li- they're yeah. oriented they to place and time. They live a regular life. They, yeah. they can take care yeah. of themselves. They can manage their senses. Like they, yeah. So yeah, actually there was just quite recently a study. I think it was at Yale where they came and they took like saliva samples from the mediums. Cause they're trying to. What? Yeah, it was just because they're trying to distinguish what is it? Because a lot of mediums, they will say they hear voices, 
but they're right. able to like live a life and not have those voices like take over or like right. or actually incorporate them in a positive way into their yeah like, it's their, not like it's auditory hallucinations right. that take over right. so it's like they what, are able to control what it. is really going on there like what is the difference That's like fascinating and a lot, you know, there are a lot of people will say a lot of people who are actually in psychiatric facilities are just having a shamanic crisis. And if they just, if that was more embraced in our culture, they would, mm-hmm. you know, have this ordeal and then get out of it. And then, you know, are there some spirit spiritualists who might believe that people who are, you know, said to have schizophrenia and are taking medication or actually like silencing voices are there some people who believe that i don't know um i don't know like i've never talked to spiritualists about that i have talked to a friend who's been in a facility who who said that a lot of the people around him were very clairvoyant and even oh, as they uh, were as they were sick so so there's hmm. something to that piece of, yeah, like when people behave in a way that's not in line with exactly what's expected. Yeah, there's um, something about like, society. we don't, we like to keep this, these things separate, but like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, things blur and connect. Well, and it's that funny thing too of um, kind of like what you said, Elise, if you say that like God is talking to you and you have a message from the Lord, for instance, mm-hmm. that's not really stigmatized in the same way as if right. you say your dead grandma is telling me whatever right. like Joan of Arc just told me this like then okay you gotta go <laughs> like we right? we said in an episode that like Christianity and the things that you read in the Bible are some so of the most metal. witchy things you so can metal. read <laughs> like, eating the, yeah eating the blood of Christ like that's very <laughs> spooky very spooky you know so yeah. it's um yeah what it's our funny. what our culture has normalized or like right. what is yeah it's, it's ritualized cannibalism technically I mean <laughs> yeah. you can't, you can't. that's the title of the episode it's <laughs> <laughs> such a good way to say it though so you've met you know with a variety of artists and that was one of the things that really you know I, there, I learned so many things reading this that I didn't know existed whatsoever you know right? like I I know about EVPs and like the stuff you see on TV with ghosts and I know you know very yeah. very basic yeah but there were so many different ways that mediums try to connect with spirits that I'd never heard of mm-hmm. um and learning about artists like we talked about at the beginning who are you know say that they didn't really create the art it's just they were yeah used. I had never heard of that before neither had I and now I'm like I want that on my walls <laughs> right, right, <give laughs> that's it what me. I want to decorate my house with <laughs> yeah. but you know Mumler is someone that is kind of adjacent to that and we've talked about him in episode three after reading your book I feel like I have a little bit of a different perspective than I did when Haley and I covered him. We we kind of arrived at the decision that like, oh, well, you know, he was just a charlatan and trying to make Probably money. Probably a fraudster. You. Yeah. Right. And I'm just curious what you think about him. Do you think that he was the real deal or do you think that he was a charlatan? No, I mean, you know, as a photographer, you look at the images and it's like very they're very planned out and, you know, they, yeah. they look very um, formulaic and um, mechanical. They look stiff. They, yeah. But they, staged. They, they look like me- mechanical um, th- exposures. But what I love about the Mumler story is nobody really knows how he did it. And right. That was that kind of what got us. And like yeah. there's not a clear explanation. No. And he was never like, yeah, like caught. And there's even stories about him just like wandering into like a photo studio in New York and just taking over somebody else's studio and making the, you know, 
making them in somebody else's studio, like on the, on, at a moment's right. notice. Or having other photographers come watch him who yeah. like know what they're doing and they can't catch him in yeah, it. Yeah. So it's fascinating. Like with every good spiritualist uh, story, there's always, it's never complete. It's always like, oh yeah, like mm-hmm. obviously he's doing, he's faking those, but like nobody knows how he did it or like he wasn't. Right. There's some possibility or there's some That's uncertainty the magic. there that kind of leaves yeah. the door open. Yeah. So right. it's, it's a magical act or it's a magical happening however you look at it mm-hmm. right when a spiritualist hears like oh that's been debunked or we're debunking this do they automatically say no it's true or do they look at it with a scientific lens of like okay let's hear your point maybe it was not accurate depends on the spiritualists like for example there's some spiritualists who still are spiritualists but they think all the spirit photos are phonies and then there's oh, really? some spiritualists are like, well, some of them are real, some of them are fake, mm-hmm. but then they all disagree on which ones are real and which ones are fake. <laughs> like, like this one, these, these, this photographer. These are the real like, ones. Yeah, like these aren't. And so, I mean, it's just, wow. it just, it just depends. They all hmm. um, have it's all up to personal interpretation. Yeah. 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 I like that. Another thing I didn't, I mean, I'd heard of kind of adjacently, but I didn't really know anything about it was spoon bending. What, I mean, what is that like to watch happen? Well, I, it, yeah. Uh, so I think everybody, when they think of spoon bending, they think of Uri Geller because I think he just stares at it and it's supposed to bend. Yeah. But the, oh. And I, I, I theorize in the book that it was probably brought into spiritualism via Uri Geller because that seems to be when it became popular. Um, mm. But if you go to a spoon bending class, yeah, it's actually like you hold it in your hand and you like meditate. Like you try, you get the, your, your hand to the utensil and you try to bend it and it, it won't bend, mm. you know, because it's a utensil. Right, and then metal. you walk through this meditation and like kind of like this mind exercise of like, believe you can bend it and you can bend it. And then you know, you hold it, you hold it in your hands. And then like, they'll say, when you feel that you can do it, just try. And if you're really good at it, you just try and it just goes like butter. And what makes you really good at it? How is one person? I don't good know. I'm not moment? good at it, but like power of the mind, power <laughs> I, of the mind. You know, my friend Lauren is like, she can twist them up into like crazy. Wow. Um, and she's not using, they're not using like heat or anything. It's just like holding them the hand with the hand. So like, they, and what does it signify if you're good at it? Like, what is the connection it just between signifies mind over matter? Like, you know, like that oh. there's mental strength, mental strength. And also like, you know, there's so much space in the particles of everything that like, mm-hmm. I mean, and that's scientific too, if you think about yeah. it that way. So it's kind of like an exercise in anything is possible and like, that's what it's supposed to mean. Mm-hmm. I had never, well, I don't think I'd heard of it, but I don't think I've heard of a, a mediums cabinet before. And I was so intrigued to see the variety of different kinds of cabinets there were in the book. And, you know, you talk about the energy that you felt watching someone in a medium cabinet. And I, I want to know what your experience was like sitting in one. Um, yeah, so the, yeah, the mediums cabinet is like a tiny little box or stage or, you know, and if you're in a seance and 
the medium will sit in it and the sitters will sit around it. So when I went to Arthur Finley College, which is like a spiritualist learning center, and mm -hmm. I was studying um, physical mediumship. And so we had a cabinet we were working with. And so I had to sit in the cabinet and I just thought, you know, this was really early on and I was pretty green and I, I, you know, I'm not a medium. So I just thought, what am I going to do in this cabinet? I don't, but you know, yeah. I am a participant observer here. So I'm going to go and do this. And I, I have like since taken many, many classes and development classes and had interesting experiences, but this was very early. And so I sat in the cabinet and I just felt like all this emotion and all this energy. Mm -hmm. It was like, I really did feel like I was condensed by energy and it was really powerful. Wow. Was it uh, a positive or a negative feeling? It, it was positive. It was overwhelming. Was but I mean, yeah. you know, other people might say, you know, sacred theater or, you know, like maybe there's like being on stage in a spotlight in front of a microphone like that. Yeah, you could argue, but like early theater was religious, like it was it mm. was ritual. So yeah, there's a, there's always that like back and forth about what's really happening and what are we really doing and what what does this all really mean? What did you do with that energy when you felt it? I mean, I couldn't do anything with it because I didn't know what to do with it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, all these years later, like through your training, you would do you would know to do differently or you would do something differently with it? I don't know because like I it's hard to hypnotize me. And I don't like, I'm amazed at like people who go into trance like that. And I really do believe yeah. they're having an altered state. It's, state. it's like, it's like people who can go, go to places that drugs take other people. They can do it with their mind, mm. like with enough training, they can really go places or the hypnagogic zone. Like they can get there. And, you know, I mean, like they even will, it's not like, I'm not just saying that too. They're, they, there are mediums where they do their, you know, they, they monitor their brain activity when they're, oh, when sure. they're doing that. Yeah. It's like yeah. in another state of consciousness, like in between sleep and, and awake. But so I can't, I can't even imagine being able to go into a trance, like maybe mm -hmm. one day I could, but like not, <laughs> but I, I have been able to give accurate messages um, rare, really? rarely, but um, it did freak me out. It was really wild. I was able to do it. Can you tell Can us, you tell about, us it? about that? <laughs> <laughs> so it's happened to me a, a bunch of times, but only I have to be in a situation where everybody else is doing it too. And I have a teacher and I'm being guided and like, it's very safe. And like, this is why also too, it's very linked to creativity because how they walk you through these exercises, like you're just supposed to take your own mind seriously and not throw things out. And so if you can get to a place where you'll actually do that, and then you're having an exchange with somebody who's like really open and mm -hmm. into that, like I'll, I would just say what was coming to me and it was true. And there was a, wow. yeah, I had a few, um, really intense experiences where I was actually was able to accurately give information but it was it's I don't do it on my own and I'm you know so I, I'm definitely a novice but it was cool because I got to see what they meant when they said anybody could be a medium but you know would you say that you're training to become one? Are you? Is that something that you want no, to do? No, no. And actually, I mean, you could probably say whatever information I got was maybe more psychic than 
you know, I don't know it was where it was coming from, where spiritualists will be, they'll say, you know, you can tell by the emotion if it's a spirit or if it's psychic and that like psychic and psychic faculties and mediumship is very like, you have to be psychic to be a medium. Oh, like, you know, psychic mediumship, you know, like there's different mm-hmm. levels, like psychic and then mediumship is like a different Uh, a different way of working but um cool something Haley and I were chatting about before was ectoplasm and I mean we've talked about that a little bit in um the Mumler episode and I I think it is probably one of the most controversial things in spiritualism that has kind of stood the test of time because I remember as a kid seeing those photos of ectoplasm and being like that's creepy and weird and as an adult being like oh that's really fake that's that's funny cheesecloth yeah right exactly exactly like that's a so and I mean a lot of your photos or some of your photos show you know what they're saying is ectoplasm and I'd never heard the explanation that it's dangerous because it has to go back in that was so interesting to me but I want to know what it was like being in a room where you know they say ectoplasm was happening well so what I discovered is that um, ectoplasm is a fluid term meaning that you know mediums will say they're using ectoplasm but it's not like what you see in the pictures and actually more often than not it was like oh yes it's ectoplasmic energy and it's making the room, the temperatures change, or like they'll do this thing mm-hmm. called transfiguration under red lights, where you stare at a, somebody under a red light and then their face will seem to change. Yeah, right. photos of that were really compelling. And that'll be explained through ectoplasm, but it's not like those big crazy strings mm-hmm. or gauze mm-hmm. or all that. You know, I was like, does is anybody even doing that or does that still exist? And, you know, then I met the German medium Kai Mugi and he's like one of the only people in the world who's like still presenting like ectoplasm as like what you see in those vintage images and mm-hmm. and it was really a trip because I didn't know what to expect when I went to his seance and then you know the lights were off and then they said oh the ectoplasm is going to happen and then like the light went on and all of a sudden it was like I was in one of those pictures like it was hmm time travel so yeah I don't know and he's very controversial and a lot of people in spiritualism say we don't need that type of mediumship that's like the old stuff and then there's other people who say no that's like what it was since the beginning and that's what it should be and we should strive for ectoplasm and then there's another there's another movement that's trying to bring through energy-based mediumship that's safer than ectoplasm and it can Hmm. manifest other realms and can bring aliens into the seance room and I you know it's the beliefs and experiments span the gamut Hmm. um but still with spiritualism, there is kind of like, it's not like anything goes totally. Like, for example, if you follow like some of the UFO stuff, mm-hmm. some of that stuff gets like way, 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 really far out, like really, really yeah. fast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. I feel as far as the paranormal goes, spiritualism is pr- is grounded in a certain sense. And actually the... Um, the two main organizations, the SNU and the, um, the, so they're in England and the um, NSAC in US, they prohibit bringing through aliens or other entities in seances. They only, they say you should only bring through spirits of the dead, deceased living, like, 
you know? I didn't even know before reading the book that people brought aliens through in seances. Like that, I didn't know that. That's Yeah, so there's crazy. a lot of overlap. In fact, Whitley Strieber recently wrote a book about uh, having experiences with his deceased wife. Oh, wow. And how, and talking about how many people who have abduction experiences see spirits of the dead with, with. Wow. And so oh, there, cool. there is, okay. and there, like many mediums have had UFO experiences or time slips or um, abduction experiences. Do you think that's that. like um, people being open to things or do you think that's like that idea of someone being like a thin place or whatever where like yeah. they can do they're conducive to that kind of energy well I think that so George Hansen has this graph where he talks about like how everything paranormal is liminal so in, you know in between life and death you have spirits and ghosts and near-death experience and then in between heaven and earth you have UFOs angels and in between man and animal you have like Bigfoot vampires and mm. like so mm. help has this graph of all these lines and then he says the paranormal is like this and then he goes to the next slide and there's these crisscrosses like of all these (laughs) middle things pointing and uh, it's a brilliant way to say like once Mm -hmm. you really anything paranormal like it gets everything blurs once you get to a certain once you exist in that space then Mm -hmm. you're in in all of that in between space yeah yeah Cool. Um, something that's always been kind of hokey slash controversial for me are orbs. I mean, as a photographer, We're kind of on the I same know, page about orbs. Yeah, like you can. I would say that it's bugs or it's dust or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you do have a photo in this book that you took in Sardinia. Yeah. that it's a lot of orbs. <laughs> I mean, that'd be a lot of bugs and or a lot of dust. <laughs> I know. So what? What? Tell me about that and what you think about orbs. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And in fact, like, I think a lot of the orb photographs, you get them on like the cameras with the tiny sensors where the lens Mm -hmm. is right, the flash is right over the lens. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when when I went to Sardinia and I was with people who practice orb photography regularly and they're like, okay, we're you know, we're going to go into the mountains and do like, do some orb photography. And I said, I'm going to go and I'll bring my camera, but I'm not going to get any orbs because I right. mm-hmm. like never get orbs and <laughs> right. mm-hmm. like n- nearly like next to never. And they're like, Oh no, if we go into the mountains and we say our prayers, you're going to get orbs. And they had shown oh, me no. these pictures that were just like mind blowing. That's what I love. I love so many spiritualists are doing all this, like really far out, like photo experimentation that's like really really interesting and very Mm -hmm. DIY and very like what is happening in these pictures Mm -hmm. so I went and I took my camera and I took a few pictures and I got this one picture where it's just orb upon orb upon orb like it's crazy you can (laughs) I've never seen so many I know you can zoom zoom in as far as you can zoom in on that picture is orbs and orbs forever I and it was not raining it was there was not a dust storm there was not bugs like it wasn't nothing you are a photographer you know what you would you know yeah. to explain it and those things weren't there no and I did you see it on the back of your your camera or not until you got home I don't remember if I saw it on the camera I probably saw some of it on the camera but yeah. Like I didn't know 
it was like that the extent it wasn't like I got tons of pictures like that either right so wow. it was just very bizarre and there were people in that group that they had had pictures like that and I remember looking like oh my god wow it would be incredible to get one like but covered in orbs like what happened there yeah yeah. So I don't, I really honestly don't know how I got it. I it's, it's wild. Did you, um, like in that moment when you were there, did you feel any like Ooh, energy question. or anything different about that space or, I mean, we were in the, we were in the mountains in like in Sardinia in this like place where there's like, you know, standing rocks, like kind of like Stonehenge mm. type rocks, but they don't really know what, and it was like pitch black it was at night. So it was really powerful experience mm-hmm. like very mm-hmm. very interesting experience and I was with very interesting people who really were very serious about the photography they were doing and like very serious about their orb practice and so that's what I find interesting is not so much like why the orbs appear but like the practitioners how they interact with them interpret their meanings and make them appear and command them into patterns or like Hmm. that kind of stuff is really fascinating because I've I've seen people they'll just like sit there with their hand like this and they'll just take pictures they'll say okay I want you right here and they'll get like a picture with an orb in their hand that's more compelling what what bothers me is like uh we talked about the Lemp Mansion that's supposed to be haunted. Oh, yeah. And then like if you go on Reddit or whatever, mm-hmm. people are like, there's orbs in my photos. Right. And I'm like, that is not proof that this place is quote right. unquote haunted. But right. that, what you're describing, is very cool. Yeah. And more, yeah, much it's... more compelling sounding. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, there, so. there are, there's like a lot of literature about the orb stuff. And so you can definitely go down a rabbit hole very into it. And they claim they can get them in clean rooms and, um, you know, like... They claim that they've done like very scientific experiments in like dry, clean rooms with no water and like ask for the orbs and then get them. So they're trying to like like eliminate like any explanation. I mean, all that stuff is beyond me. I don't just. Well, like you said in the book, you're not trying to like disprove it or prove it. You're just there to capture what you get, right? I kind of love like that was my favorite part of like you don't have to be there with an agenda and you can just be there to observe yeah. and I really like that yeah and I think um I've had so many welcoming spiritualists like teach me and be open but I think um some people I've worked with find that my ambivalence like kind of confusing hmm. um but others like they want you to be passionate about it yeah some but others are like no that's like they consider themselves, even though they're spiritualist mediums, they consider themselves skeptics also. And, mm-hmm. and some skeptical the- inquirer. That's how yes. I joke. Like that, I, that's like the name of a magazine. I'm like, that's what we are. Skeptical inquirers. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, a lot of them still are very discerning. Um, but then there's other people like, you know, I don't know. There's just a lot there to think about in so many different ways about like psychology and hypnosis and, the mind and you know when you're in a seance and you know a dark room and then a light goes on and then everybody's having a different experience or like some people are having the most profound experience in the world and other people think it's like Mm -hmm. total crap I've been in that situation where half the room is just like totally blown away and the other half is like this is the worst thing I've ever been to (laughs) like wow so I don't Mm -hmm. know I mean I still 
I always say this like, and it's not a cop out. Like I have more questions than answers. Now that's how, like I can't, that's how I came out. So, <laughs> and it's not a cop out because it's actually very complicated stuff, but it's also fun and silly and weird and like, Fascinating yeah, and interesting yeah, and yeah. all these things, right? Yeah. Yeah. You did see some pretty crazy things while researching this. <laughs> um, like when you touch a knob and you bled oh, yeah. and like the the dousing rods between the women's legs. Like <laughs> what were some of the most memorable, compelling things that happened to you or where you were at that you witnessed during this yeah, journey? Yeah. So um so the having the knob explode. So I there's a medium named Sylvia Howarth, and she's probably the medium I've worked with most intensely with. And she's a spirit artist, and she's just an amazing um, person. And she's just very unique. Her her mediumship is very unique. So she said this one, you know, I never sit in the dark because so she always sits with lights in her cabinet. And she said, because when I sit in the dark, something weird always happens the next day in the kitchen. And I'm like, weird. what? And so that this one night she sat in the dark and as soon as the lights went on, I heard, we heard like tapping all the way up her hallway and I heard a drum play. And it was like, there was nobody that like, I have no idea how that it was like in the walls. It was, and it was really intense. And so she did this seance and, you know, we definitely heard these noises and, um, was it scary as it was happening or just interesting? It, I was, I wasn't scared like something bad was going to happen, but I was definitely like on edge. Yeah. Like it was, I was confused by it. I was, it did. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was Mm -hmm. really like, it wasn't like a bad vibe, but it was highly unsettling. So then the next day I went into her kitchen to make a cup of tea and she had these like baked knobs uh, on her cupboard. And I pulled out I grabbed the knob and I, you know, went to pull open the cupboard and it, as soon as I touched it, it exploded in my hand and it, what? half of it shot up to the ceiling and then crashed to the floor. And then the other half was on there, like just totally open. And I looked and I, I my whole finger was ripped open and like bleeding. Wow. And then her oh husband, I went, ah, and her husband comes over. He's like, what? And he just puts his hand near it. And he's like, oh my God. And like, he started bleeding too. And what? Oh, it's I, got goosebumps. I just, yeah. I, and she's like, yeah, weird stuff happens in the kitchen the next day. <laughs> she's like, I told she's you like, this why I don't happen. turn off the lights. <laughs> so, wow. I mean, did they, did you have any worries that like you'd be carrying something home with you? No, I mean, it didn't feel like an entity. It felt like electric. It was like more more of an energy. Yeah, it felt like electric electricity or something. It was really bizarre. Did they explain it like that? uh, Sylvia, did she say, oh, this was just leftover energy or did she have an explanation? No, she just said, I don't know. That's what happens. Like, (laughs) you know, like there's that's why I don't sit in the dark. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I don't blame her. I wouldn't want that happening in my kitchen. So I don't know. I don't have an explanation for that. But like that absolutely did happen. I mean, I have a scar. Mm -hmm. You have other stories of things happening, like the pillows being moved around in your room or finding the penny at the bottom of your coffee cup after drinking. Weird things that you can't really explain away. Yeah. And I mean, like, 
guess maybe there would be an explanation, but like that wasn't my experience. My experience was like, oh my God, what just happened? But those experiences are very rare. And I guess that what that's what makes them so special because it's not like I was having mm-hmm. that all the time. You know, I have right. been mm-hmm. like there was like a small handful of things that happened that were just completely over the top, strange. Yeah. Out of like a lot of just mundane experiences mm-hmm. as well. And so I don't know, maybe that's what it's about, like just holding the space or like doing the practice yeah. for when that needs to happen to, for it to happen. I don't, you know, and like I also understand why people don't. But people are like, oh no, you stay away from that stuff. Like it's this, it's not for everybody. I it's unsettling. It can mm-hmm. it can, you know, shake your psyche. It can like make you question. It's just like like psychedelics aren't for everyone. And, mm. but yet, like I truly believe many people that I have met are called to this work, like a calling, like mm-hmm. that they mm. like they have to do it for some reason. And then why is that? I don't know. I don't have any answers, but one of the first pages of the book, you know, you talk about your mom passing, which I'm so sorry about. And um, my mom passed away when I was a kid. And I've had a couple things happen that within my family that, you know, we attribute to her. And you mentioned in the book that you had her come through, you know, in in Mm -hmm. multiple times during your research. And, you know, I wondered if you'd be comfortable sharing a couple of those with us. Yeah. Well, one of the most um, dramatic was, so one of my really close friends is a medium and mm-hmm. so the day that my mom died we took her off life support and I was texting and she's a Lilydale medium her name's Lauren and I was texting with her and I was like oh yeah we're you know we're taking my mom off life support she's like oh god I'm so sorry okay like I'll talk to you later or like, like keep me posted we'll we'll talk and so then my mom passed and then my brother and my sister we're saying like, oh, well, we're going to get tattoos for mom Hmm. and I'm going to get this and I'm going to get, and I'm going to get that one. And just like going on and on and on, like in full detail about these tattoos. And Mm -hmm. I was just like, didn't think anything of it and just kind of forgot about it. And then the next morning, Lauren texts me and she says, you're going to think I'm crazy, but your mom already came to me. And she was you know it was like this really long message of all the things my mother said to her and like you know I'm reading it and it's like okay yeah yeah um and then she said yeah and then like the last thing she said was tell them no tattoos and <gasps> oh I got goosebumps all me over. too <laughs> wow. and then she laughed and took off <laughs> So then did you go back and reread the entire message with much more sincerity? Like, holy yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was like, oh, yeah. Like, I can see her doing this. I can see her right. doing this. But like. Wow. Like, oh, wow. She means it. This really happened. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. yeah. And then the last thing she said was no tattoos. Wow. So did they not get the tattoos? They didn't. <laughs> they honored her wish. Yeah. Wow, that's really magic. That's that's really special. Was it was it comforting feeling for you? I mean, yeah, yeah. And it was one of those like, okay, that's definitely not vague, you know, because because like, it's not like, oh, your mom loved you so much. And she wasn't ready to leave you. Right. You know, you're like, yeah, Yeah. that that could apply to anyone. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like Lauren was in a different city. And we didn't talk like she didn't even know right she didn't know your mom well like that yeah she she didn't know that like my brother and sister had had that conversation we were talking about that yeah right there's no right wow that's really that's 
I, I know in the experiences I've had, it's like an overwhelming feeling of just like, I mean, I've had special dreams where I wake up bawling and it's almost like there's all this energy that has to just come out. You know, it's, it's really special that you had that experience and cool that this work kind of brought you to that yeah. point. Yeah. So, um, yeah, pretty cool that that happened. That That's that's my favorite one of all the ones. That... Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. um, I think I think I'll know the answer to this, but I just want to clarify because we've talked about artists who are or they're the, the body for creating the imagery and that the spirits are working through them. You would qualify yourself as an artist just capturing what's going on. Right. Or do you believe that you are working alongside spirits? You know, I don't I think in the beginning, I just thought I was just something separate but now I mean I kind of see all art as a form of spirit art in a weird way like oh wow so I just my whole definition of what art is and what art making is has kind of changed but like you know people always ask me should I call you a spirit photographer and I'm always like no because that's I'm I'm kind of I'm trying to also have a conversation with the strangeness of the medium of photography not just like I'm kind of like running these systems against each other and kind of Mm -hmm. trying to be ambiguous I'm not trying to like prove spirits with my pictures so technically trying to capture a moment in time and capture a process and yeah or like question if that can happen or like I love it when I have these synchronicities where it's like something happens in the picture that's just so strange but I didn't intend it and it's just like something that comes from the process but Mm -hmm. like I've talked about this before on um another show but the Werner Herzog documentary about the cave paintings so those are like among the earliest art that we know that were created by humans like Mm -hmm. um so Herzog does this absolutely amazing you know documentary about these caves in France and this art that they found and there's at one point they're interviewing one of the uh anthropologists who's was studying and he said yeah so we were trying to find the people who live now who would be closest to to that living that kind of a lifestyle and that would be the aborigines Mm. in in australia so they find this tribe and they find somebody who's painting art and he said we asked him you know why are you painting like what are you doing and he looked back and said i am not painting <gasps> like wow like the, the you know the the spirit paints through my hand like mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so if you think I'm about just channeling something else yeah so if you think of that like that the earliest art um you could you could you could argue that the earliest art was a form of this type of spirit art or was like a summoning or invoking or like, and then, you know, there's the whole idea of the muse. And I mean, that's, you know, famous throughout time. Like, um, so yeah, like I really question what art making really is. So like you would take it a, a step further that like when people are struck by creativity or something, they're sort of a vessel for another power that's coming through them and making whatever the art is. Yeah. And I mean, I guess it also depends on the artist and what they're trying to do and what like 
Right. You know, but I could. When my husband paints his historical World War II miniatures, <laughs> that he is <laughs> acting solely through the power of nerdiness and there is nothing. That is a strong power, normal. <laughs> it's a power for evil and I don't want it in my house. <laughs> when you encounter people who you know, scoff at spiritualism and the things that you've seen and or captured. I mean, what do you say to them? Do you even try to No, because I think the only way to, for people to be open to this kind of stuff is only purely through personal experience. Yeah. Because like, I've met so many people who are like, you don't understand. I would never have done this or never have thought about this, but I had this experience. And like, so you can't give that to anybody. Like, Right. You, and also like a lot of times I acknowledge like you they have good points like there's reasons yeah. to be skeptical and critical and hyper aware and 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 I don't think by saying that is disrespecting spiritualists either because a lot of them say that too yes you should be discerning and you should but like that's what makes it powerful when you have the compelling experience because yeah. you're open to it but you're also not li- trying to seek it out and willing to believe anything is connected. Right. But I've also seen people like who are not open if they do have an experience in the moment they can go there, but then the next day it's like, Oh no, Mm. that that really didn't happen. Yeah. Like, cause it's, it's too profound a thing to sort of believe in. It would just shake the world too much. Yeah. It's, it's like, it shakes the worldview too much. And, you know, I mean, I don't think, yeah, like I said, like, I don't think it's meant for everybody. And, you know, it's like, even like in meditation classes, like there's a small percentage of people who can just totally lose it in, in a five minute, you know, like, or not maybe not five minute, but like, or, or, you know, people who can go on a meditation retreat and actually not be able to get back or like, I mean, that's not actually that rare. Like we're all yeah. very different. So like some people should, are much more wary of it and maybe they should be i don't know yeah for those who are not wary like Haley and myself your book seance is such a fantastic place to dive into all things spiritualism and the practices that accompany it but i know you only printed so many copies and i'm sure by this point everyone listening is dying to get their hands on one so have you considered printing more yeah um I am hoping to have a big announcement about that very soon. So, Ooh, boy. so stay tuned. Yes, I was hoping that um, if you go to my website, shannontaggart.com, you can sign up for my mailing list and like there will always be updates that come from that. I mean, it's such an incredible book. Like I was just, it's so good. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And um, yeah, so this also too, on January 25th, I'm doing like an online talk about, I have this other project about Michael Jackson. <laughs> what? Oh, tell hey. us about it. <laughs> yeah. So I just, I, it's because I started meeting mediums who were claimed to be in touch with Michael Jackson. And so I started like researching him and like really thinking about like, why are all these mediums talking to Michael Jackson? And the talk frames him as like the ultimate liminal figure. Cause he's black, white child, adult, like male, female, like man, animal, like he's blurring all these boundaries. And um, so I just kind of go down the rabbit hole of all the high strangeness. And, and also like he had clairvoyant experiences, like kind of also too, oh, how no, I didn't know that, how he's very holy and shamanic in a lot of ways and how also too in death that, 
now it's not just mediums like there's a lot of like cultural stuff where he's actually coming back and yeah it's it's I it's a I've been working on it since 2013 so now it just like lives as like this presentation but yeah I'm doing it for the last Tuesday society and online so how do we watch that um so if you go to my website and I have an event page and then there's a link to that and it's on it's on January 25th but I think they have like a on-demand channel so it'll probably be on there you know, it's funny because I still, I don't know why it's so seared into my memory, but I remember the day Michael Jackson died. I remember oh, I was in my boyfriend's house and the TV said he had died. And I remember where I was standing. Me I remember too. what was on the TV. And I remember thinking, oh no, they got that wrong. Like, no, no, no way. Mm-hmm. He's not dead. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because so many celebrities have died over the years, but Michael is the one that like, I really remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Like. The, the it kind of goes it goes there about like his his him being this really important figure like and how he's very similar to, to saints and shamans and mm-hmm. mythical figures and stuff like that so you're also working on a project I'm, I'm probably gonna say this wrong Surat Surat, Surat. Surat. yeah Surat Surat yeah. okay I did say it wrong yeah <laughs> yes yeah, so. <laughs> Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so it, SORAT is the Society for Research on Rapport and Telekinesis. And it, it was this Ooh. group that, have you ever heard of the book Black Elk Speaks? I don't know if you've ever heard of no. it. So that, no. It's probably, it's one of the most famous, or it was one of the most famous books um, in, about, in Native American literature. It's, a, it's the visions of a medicine man named Black Elk as told to the American poet, John G. Neihardt. So it was like a, it was a famous book. It was written in the thirties, but then it was got really popular in the sixties. Um, so anyway, John Neihardt, the poet who wrote Black Elk Speaks in his later years uh, started like this experimental seance group with some of his students. And it turned into this really crazy long-term experiment that went on almost 50 years wow <laughs> and they were studied by tons of scientists and there was tons of they did tons of pictures and audio and they recorded everything that they did and it's it's known as like one of the most exotic cases in psychical research wow. and so um working with the sociologist jim mclennan we saved the material uh and we're working on a book uh project so it'll be it'll be a it'll be a visual book because they did tons of photos but it's it's really really fascinating piece of paranormal history that um has never been seen before so i'm really excited to be working on it but that you're going through like their decades of materials Mm to wow Wow, what an undertaking yeah it's like a lot of stuff to work on and that should be out in uh 2023 and so i should have like more announcements of that like so that would all be on my mailing list anything like that we will for sure be signing up to your mailing list because we want to stay on top of all the cool things you have going on including surat and because your life just sounds fascinating (laughs) but i have one final perhaps personal question that i've been curious about would you consider yourself to be a spiritualist um yeah so 
I don't know. I don't like to put myself into any box, but like I said, I do have, I've had a lot of really profound experiences and I, I believe that the spiritualists that I, um, have encountered and many who have worked with that absolutely have a very sincere practice. So, um, and I am a member of a spiritualist church and I do mm. go to, I do go to events. Um, and so, so yeah, I don't know. Like maybe I'm, spiritualism adjacent. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> run in the circles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I don't like, I, I still, um, just because of my work, I guess I still have like, um, still consider myself also a participant observer, right? What is and and also too, I was raised Catholic, so I still um, also have that too. So it's confusing what to what to label myself as. So I just so you don't have to, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's really refreshing to hear because I was raised non-denominational Christian um, and I'm I'm pretty much agnostic at this point. I don't you know, I don't have rigid beliefs, um, but I definitely tend more toward getting inspiration from the earth and, you know, believing in spirits and what have you. And I definitely wrestle with that, you know, this thing I was brought up with and having this other thing that from my upbringing would be kind of considered negative, you know, or like you shouldn't dive into that. And so it's it's interesting as an adult finding that like you can believe what you want to believe and there's a balance between those two things, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's and all these different things sort of in, inform your worldview and your outlook yeah. and yeah, your right. principles and how you sort your way through the world, yeah. Yeah, and I mean yeah, I was raised sure. Irish, well, I was Irish Catholic and like mm. I've met many mediums who were once um nuns or priests or monks really? or monks yeah and they had how did they make that transition that kind of led them to yeah that? i don't know i mean i guess it depends um they yeah i know of i, I know of a, a bunch of people it's uh, so interesting because I feel like in Christianity, so many people would say that if you had an experience like that, it's demonic and go away from it. So I'd love to know how they decided. Yeah, to I mean, Catholicism is Catholicism is different, though. I mean, even though there are restrictions and you're not, you know, on clairvoyance and speaking to the dead, you're not supposed to. But, you know, the Vatican was interested in EVP and you know, mm. if you look at the lives of the saints, it's, you know, levitating saints and it's all like, yeah, you know, wow. a lot of and miracles and like it's nuanced. And so the connection between spiritualism and Catholicism, I, I can see one very clearly. So it's, it's not really that strange for me to like inhabit both worlds, but yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Well, this has just been so lovely. I love so hearing from you and meeting you. Thank and you. I really do hope that we meet at Lilydale one day. Yes. <laughs> no, no I'm sorry. I, we will. We it's will. going to happen. <laughs> yes, Sign well, me up. We'll if be you, there. If you go to my website, I actually already have the schedule up of events. Oh, yes. For July, July 29th and 30th. Uh, 2022 in Lilydale. It's usually the last, almost always, or always the last weekend in July. Beautiful time to be in New York. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, and also at Victor Wind, I'm doing like some of my greatest hits from Lilydale. I'm doing those, some of those online. That's all, it's all on my event page. If you go 
Awesome. Janetyra.com backslash events. We will link that um, on our blog post oh, site. Oh. Um, yeah. That's yeah. This has just been so great. lovely. And thank you. thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. We really appreciate it. Thank awesome. you. And I can't wait to see what you come out with next. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah same hope you have a wonderful yeah weekend. you too thanks so much thank you so much okay. my oh my the, it, my button jumped Ooh, more paranormal oh more paranormal <gasps> oh, i have to google i have to google that phrase too i'll let you know please uh, email me if you what, find something what yeah. was it again what was it saying again about brave right Oh yeah, about brave, about brave, about brave. It's, it's in my mind. Oh now. my god! I'll, I'll report that. <laughs> please back. Google it. I will. Okay, please do. <laughs> Bye. Bye. That was so fascinating. Crazy. I loved her. <laughs> Like, I want to be her best friend. I, I want to hang out. Can we, like, move can we buy to our plane Dale? tickets? <laughs> Glad Let's we're on put the same it on the calendar. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> we'll just so live our fantasies, cool. get married, say goodbye to our husbands. Move I to kind Lily of Dale. feel like I'm going to become a spiritualist now. I know. I was like, oh, a lot of things she's like, am I drawn to this? Yeah. Like, am, am do I want to I... become a medium, a psychic medium? <laughs> can anyone do it? Holy shit. Why am um, I a social am I gonna worker? run in the same circles as Dan Aykroyd? Because I'm ready. Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> High strangeness is my middle name. Please yes. sign me up. And your tramp stamp is the skeptical inquirer. Yes. So. <laughs> in in Latin though. So it yeah, looks yeah, that's classy. right. It looks like a verse. <laughs> um, we are not going to do any baked goods tonight or any missing women because this was such a great interview. Given and I all don't our time, Shannon. Yeah. Yes, because it was so fascinating, um, and we just had such a great time talking with her and covering mm-hmm. this fascinating topic that I really knew very little about. Same. So, so cool. And you, you heard the woman just... go to her website and buy her yes. book when it's available. Go to shannontaggart.com. Um, if you go onto our website or our Instagram, we are going to share some photos that Shannon has sent us that correlate with this episode so you can get a feel for her work. Um, her book is just I'm not saying it just to, you know, mm-hmm. blow smoke mm-hmm. up her butt. Her book is beautiful. There's incredible photos. The stories are really compelling. And we really barely touched on anything compared to what's in yeah. this book. Yeah, 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 like there's so many stories that you're just like, wait, what? And there's photos that are like, how? Mm-hmm. If you can so get your cool. hands on a copy, it is worth the investment. We'll post, it is a beautiful book. We'll post when it's available again. Like yes, all, we definitely yeah. will. Yes, great mm-hmm. idea. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. good idea. Full of them. Um, yeah, so look on our website, check out our social media, follow us, and um, follow Shannon as well. She's on Instagram and all mm-hmm. the social channels, mm-hmm. and she shares her new upcoming events and photos of her work as well. So we're so lucky that she was a part of the coven totally. tonight. <laughs> totally. <laughs> all right, folks, as always, don't forget to keep it spooky. And make it sweet. Except not this week, because we have no treats. <laughs> <laughs> Happy haunting! Happy haunting.